CBS Radio's The New Sky. WOMC HD3 Detroit. WKHQ HD3 Seattle. WBMX HD3 Boston. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. NewSkyRadio.com. Believe. Do the winter solstice, Christmas, Hanukkah, and other winter feasts have deeper roots, roots that reach all the way to the paranormal? Is Santa Claus a shaman? Does Hanukkah have a hidden connection with the Hindu solstice feast of Diwali? Hey, and welcome to the uh, 199th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and here's my dad. I'm sorry for missing. Pronouncing it. We're not quite to the 900th show. Well, I'm, just, I'm just a little too excited because we're almost there. Yeah, we're almost so. there. That's right. That's the spirit. Thanks, Ben. And uh, we both want to welcome our co host for this evening, uh, our good friend Susan Shepard, West Virginia based author, lecturer, psychic medium, astrologer, something of a winter holiday expert, and someone who's uh, making her certainly uh, mark on the national scene lately, I think, too. And welcome back to the show, Susan. Well, thank you very much, and it, it's great to be here, and I'm glad to talk about some of the origins of Christmas and also their connections to um, All Saints Day and, and All Hallows' Eve. That's going to be um, interesting. I think when uh, they did the Nightmare Before Christmas movie, I think Tim Burton kind of had a good indication that those holidays, they are connected. Mm. Well, Ben, you have a high opinion of Tim Burton as a director, don't you? Uh, some of his movies. Some, some of his movies. Some of movies. Yeah. That is my favorite Disney movie. Cool. <laughs> All right, so um, our call-in number is today, 248-545-SOUL, or 248-545-7685. Or if you're listening on a computer, use that nifty instant feedback feature to the right of the screen as you listen live, or email us at at paul at behindtheparanormal.com. All right, so, um, so if your family has had any... Unusual customs at this season, and most especially if you have ever had what you believe is a holiday-related paranormal experience, let us know. Well, you know, we have Charles Dickens with a Christmas carol, mm-hmm. and uh, the spirits appearing to him, uh, you know, not to him, but Scrooge, and uh, there's a long tradition uh, of uh, Christmas Eve and also New Year's Eve, similar to Halloween, where uh, the veil between the worlds are very thin at those times. And it's a good good night to contact spirits, or spirits will contact you. Actually, you know, this this reminds me of something, Paul. Uh, last Christmas Eve, um, uh, a friend of mine's, um, a very good her uh, her husband, uh, had passed away, and she, uh, her husband came to me last Christmas Eve uh, in a dream and told me to contact Rochelle, and uh, of course I did later. And uh, at that time, her mother was very sick. So uh, that just reminded me, last Christmas Eve, I did have some spirit contact. Interesting. It was a very vivid kind of dream, too. Yeah. I can always tell the difference um, in dreams, whether it's true spirit contact or it's just, you know, too much pizza or something like <laughs> that. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And, cool. and there's, of course, a long history of Santa Claus. Um, and Santa Claus is a real interesting character that goes back thousands of years, really. Absolutely. Well, let, let's uh, let's start at the beginning then. I guess to discuss the solstice. Ben has a question on that. All right. So the winter solstice will occur at exactly 11:38 p.m. Coordinated Universe Time on Tuesday, December 21st. And we so have an eclipse. 
We have a full lunar eclipse on December twenty first. Yes, we do. How did I manage to miss that in, in this in this in this hemisphere? Yes, and really? it's, uh, it's supposed to turn that brassy red color. Oh, oh, a lunar uh, they, eclipse. They used to call that blood on the moon eclipse, but it's just oh, kind of a resty right, color. Right, right, right. Okay. So that's well. interesting. So anybody born on on uh, that day should see some really significant changes within the next year, uh, right. rather dramatic ones. All right. So Susan, what is the winter solstice and is it the reason for our winter holidays well you know that is the time when the sun is the farthest away and uh you know in ancient times among pagan people um you know there was some anxiety uh, about the sun coming back uh you know bringing back growth and life and things like that and uh, all over the world there is a tradition a, a belief even among the ancient Egyptians, about the return of the divine child uh, around the solstice. Uh, and, uh, you know, people have always, uh, uh, the solstice was a very important uh, festival among the pagans. Uh, we all know, of course, December 25th isn't really the birthday of Christ. It's actually the birthday of Horus the Egyptian god Horus, mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, also called the son of the sun, or the, you know, the divine child. Uh, and this is, um, and, uh, you know, with the paganism and Christianity taking over uh, Europe, um, these two traditions kind of blended. Uh, but mostly, it's interesting, uh, most of the things that we celebrate at Christmas time are pagan in origin. Uh, a lot of religions have had problems with that. Uh, the Quakers in early America did not celebrate Christmas, um, you know, and they certainly didn't celebrate Halloween because they looked upon the pilgrims. I'm sorry, not Quake. Well, the Quakers weren't too uh, enthused about Christmas either. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, they, they realized that this, these were pagan festivals, and actually they were correct. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's true. So, well, that... all, you know, the Christmas tree and Santa and, and the holly and, and everything, um, and there, it's a very, very rich history. Uh, most of the American Christmas comes from uh, the German Christmas and the English Christmas. Uh, we have Father Christmas in England and Germany. Uh, the German Christmas has a lot of different uh, aspects of Santa Claus. Um, uh, Snickel for one of them. And uh, um, anyway, there used to be... Uh, the, the Santa Claus was actually an aspect of the Horn God, uh, which was an aspect of the shaman, the dancing sorcerer shaman. Uh, and then those, either there's a, I've got right in front of me a picture of the old Celtic god, uh, Cronunus. Uh, he's sitting there with rain, uh, reindeer, uh, ha- antlers on and beside of him is a reindeer. And, uh, uh, in Europe, uh, December 21st or the solstice was called the horned one's night. Uh, and then, of course, it kind of separated, and Santa Claus had reindeers with horns. But it's even more than that. It's very long. It's very involved. But with the St. Nicholas, um, the bishop from the 4th century A.D., very loose connection with Christmas, really. Um, so I think uh, a lot of the things, uh, these old holidays that are pagan now, uh, when Christianity came to Europe, um, you know, the church used it to their benefit to turn those old pagan holidays into Christian holidays. Well, that, that was uh, very deliberate on their part. Uh, I mean, we learned that in the seminary, that that was, uh, you know, to say what we're saying is not a put-down. 
at all. It's it's, no, it's they, not. They, I, I the, really, you know, yeah, they wanted ahead. to make it easier for people to become Christians, especially when they had no choice. About well, religion. and you know, it's even you know among the Native American populations. Uh, I was just uh, talking to someone the other night, Peru. Um, there, are, most of the Indians are Catholic, of course, but they still have their, uh, you know, their shamanic traditions that are different um, oh, yeah. than uh, <laughs> the the non-Catholic people in Peru. Uh, so, you know, it, it's a mixture of things, and I, I think some of the many of the more beautiful aspects are, of our culture does come from paganism, and Absolutely. I think every religion is based in pag- paganism. It's just a, you know, it's just a growth. Uh, development uh, away from some of those things that people aren't real willing to let go of them either. Well, that's true. You know, there's an ongoing unity sort of in the development of human spirituality. You know, and it, right. It, uh, anyway, Ben had another another question about the solstice. Okay. Right. So, isn't our calendar kind of messed up because of the Romans? I mean, isn't the solstice actually the middle of the winter, not the beginning? Well, <laughs> I don't know the answer to that one. Uh, it's traditionally, to me, uh, from what I've read, it's always around the December 20, 21st. Uh, St. Nicholas's birthday, one of the reasons they chose uh, him as a good um, you know, saint to represent Christmas was his birthday was on December 5th and 6th. And then uh, some of the other, I think Russia um, and some of the uh, Eastern, Euro- uh, Eastern Orthodox countries, they, uh, they celebrate something like Christmas in January, but I don't know. I mean, so it's always kind of a little bit of a different date. Uh, the original Christmas, of course, was Saturnalia, which was celebrated by the Romans, and that was on the December 25th, 22nd. Okay. Well, actually, the December 6th was the Feast of St. Nicholas, and you're right. It's the same same month, and and uh, we spent a lot of airtime defending him. Okay. Uh, we you want to talk I, about that? Because I've just done a long presentation on that. and uh, uh, Yeah, well, actually, I wanted to start with Hanukkah, actually, okay. uh, even though it's over already. But, right. Um, I guess the next – well, no, because okay, Ben had one more question about the salsa before we leave. Because we're trying to keep it chronological. Okay. Um, Go ahead, Ben. There's a final question about the solstice. All right. So what's an appropriate way to celebrate the winter solstice? Well, there are people do it in a lot of different way, ways. Uh, uh, Christmas Eve um, and around the time of the solstice. Now, as English became, uh, the England became uh, Christian, they did something called uh, guising and a souling long ago. Uh, they also did it on uh, All Hallows' Eve where people would dress up in costumes masquerade, going around the houses, singing songs, doing magic tricks. Uh, also, it was also uh, something where people uh, um, would get coins or food or, or, or uh, gifts to pray uh, for souls in purgatory. Uh, so that's where the trick-or-treat uh, trick or treat comes from, as well as kind of caroling, uh, Christmas carols. So hmm. it would be Christmas caroling, uh, putting up the Christmas tree, burning the Yule log, uh, and then, you know, it also has a tradition of divination, uh, that you, especially among young girls, of divination on Christmas Eve and also, uh, New Year's Eve where you will be shown the, the name or the, the, the face of the man that you're going to marry. Uh, that was one. And also, interestingly, the traditional birthday for the werewolf is December 25th. Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. And that makes the werewolf a Capricorn. So all these things are kind of tied in. It's very interesting how they um, how they blend. Um, I'm really open about these things. I know there's a lot of um, 
you know, I'm not really a pagan. Um, you know, I think it's, it's I, I would say just as a scholar, but um, I don't really think that these things contradict each other. I don't either. I think, they, I think they enrich each other, and I don't think there's anything wrong with either. Well, in the seminar, they, they, they essentially said, well, we believe that, you know, uh, they would say Christianity uh, fulfills all these longings that the pagans themselves felt. And, you know, they didn't, yeah, at least Wait, in the no, Eastern. You're, you're, you are Italian, right? No, no, no. Well, oh, you're not. We're, we're 10th generation. Gee, we had nine ancestors on the Mayflower. Eno was a. I did too. Name. Okay. Really? Okay. I thought you were, but anyway. No, we're anyway, English of Connecticut Yankees. They will not give up their oh. Christmas witch. Yeah. Uh, they have a Christmas witch called Bafana. And that's a very interesting story where the Christmas witch. Well, she goes must be looking... influencing us. I have to interrupt because we have to take a break. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we'll be right back to talk about her okay. in just a moment. Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno with our guest host this evening, Susan Shepard, talking about the holidays and the solstice, et cetera, et cetera. Be right back. Psychic Radio. PsychicOnAir.com. The Wake Up Call with Alan Tom. Put your hands on either side of his face. Maybe sit oh. on his lap. That might get his attention. And yeah. say, honey. You're hurting me. Yeah. And I know you don't want to hurt me, but you're hurting me so much that I don't want to come home anymore. Hi, it's Tom Force. Reverend L. Newman and I are here Monday nights, 7 till 9, primetime Eastern Time in the United States with Wake Up Call on Psychic Radio. Psychic Radio. We know you're listening. Life is a journey. Let us be your guide. Reach out on the net now, psychiconair.com. Look for Psychic Radio on your AOL radio player. No politics. 
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. With our good friend Susan Shepherd this evening, we're talking about the winter holidays. Uh, so next to the solstice, well, actually, no, we were, we were beginning to talk about an Italian tradition of a... Lufana. Uh, witch connection. Yeah, so yeah, go ahead and, the and Christmas witch. Uh, she, uh, uh, they have a belief that, um, or, or folklore, uh, that the Christmas witch was on her way to uh, find the Christ child. It's interesting that they mix those two things, isn't it? The paganism with the Christianity. Yeah. And she has a pack on her back, and she gets lost, and she leaves presents for children on Christmas Eve in her effort to find the Christ child in uh, the Middle East. Uh, now, they kind of tried to uh, um, ban that. Uh, they didn't want to celebrate that anymore, and there was a big uprising, and there's a funny video on YouTube of all these women dressed up like Halloween-like witches with a long nose, and they do a certain dance. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, so that's, that's, that's interesting, too. You can see those two cultures merging once again. Well, I'd say good for them. You know, the whole feminine aspect of the divine not to get off off topic here but you know i'm a real believer that that the people would not permit the goddess to be dismissed from their spirituality even in the depths of 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 catholic europe and so uh, the honoring of the virgin mary or the theotokos as the greeks would say uh is is something that is the people would not you know no matter what name you call her the, the the mother figure is absolutely crucial to people's spirituality and they would not let her go and good enough for for the male dominated authoritarian right. the, the feminine aspect and also the nature too uh, you know within um within the different religions um you know a lot of times christianity um almost seems anti-nature in certain ways um you know to uh, taking over other countries and yeah with the native peoples and things like that and people are not willing to let go of that either and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I believe all religions started as paganism, and uh, they've developed out. You know, they've developed forward in different ways, and they pretty much have the same root to them. Well, they grew out of the land that, 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 that on which they developed. I mean, it, it's it's really your your reaction, your uh, response to God, to the divine, comes out of the, your experience and, and the land on which you live. I, I was, uh, while I was in the seminar, I talked to a, a, a priest from South America who was uh, one of the, um, well, at the time, the uh, liberation theology was big. You know, and there were a lot of, uh, it's complicated, but I was interviewing him while I was a seminary student for the, the local uh, religious newspaper. And he said, you know, they, 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 one day he, he and several other priests were standing on on the street. I guess it was I think it was in Peru, and people were walking down the street for a religious feast honoring the Virgin Mary. And he noticed potatoes at her feet, mm-hmm. and uh, he he just just asked one of the local gentry, you know, what was that? And he said, "Well, that that's you know, so that we'll have a good harvest this year. We offer to the goddess." Right. <laughs> and he goes, "Whoa, you know, what are you doing?" And then the the Vatican did backflips because for a couple hundred years now the people, all this the people had preserved their paganism in, the, in Christian form and they had a fit but they they missed that you know I thought it was hilarious right it's a, and, it's a blending really is what it is absolutely anyway to get back to what we're talking about here uh, next to the solstice 
uh, the old one of the oldest winter festivals commonly celebrated today is, of course, Hanukkah, which of course is already over. It was early this year, right? Uh, but at first glance, it's kind of hard to find a direct solstice connection. In Hebrew, Hanukkah means dedication. Now, contrary to what most people think, Hanukkah is not the Jewish equivalent of Christmas. It's commonly known as the Festival of Lights or the Festival of Dedication. Uh, it's about a century and a half older than Christmas. Uh, like most Jewish feasts, Hanukkah marks an historical event in the life of Israel, a successful revolt of the Jews, led by the Maccabees, one of their leading families, against the Greek Seleucid Empire in 165 AD. And everybody knows that, right? Uh, the Greeks had prevented the Jews from practicing their own religion, and after their victory, the Maccabees led Israel in re-establishing Jewish worship in the temple. Uh, this involved relighting the great menorah, or the sacred candelabra. And here we have something that kind of gets into the, the miraculous, or the paranormal, if you wish. Uh, in their retreat, the Greeks had deliberately ruined the sacred olive oil used in the menorah, but despite the fact that there was only one vessel of pure oil left, the menorah burned for eight days. Anyway. Right. Uh, hence the Festival of Lights, something that does conjure up winter solstice connotations. Now, as a matter of fact, some Jewish scholars suspect that Hanukkah, like Christmas, is a reflection of an older solstice celebration that existed long before that and simply got picked up in the modern celebration. Now, one of the, now you mentioned uh, divination. Uh, what, here's a connection here with Hanukkah. One of the deceptively simple accoutrements of Hanukkah is the dreidel. It's a little spinning top that's generally considered a children's toy, and around the dreidel are the Hebrew letters Nun, Gimel, Hey, and Shin, standing for uh, Neskodal Hayam Sham, or A Great Miracle Happened Here. Uh, many people don't realize that this toy had the very serious job of secretly teaching Jewish children about their faith when the Greeks stomped on them before the Maccabees got rid of them in 165 B.C. Mm-hmm. Now, from a paranormal standpoint, some say this dreidel means more. And followers of the mystical tradition known as the Kabbalah uh, believe right. that the dreidel can be used to probe primal forces and do some divining at this time of year and uh, even uh, talk about human behavior and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, another connection that arises here, I think, and I don't know if you know anything about this, but it, it's it, the Jews aren't really supposed, observant Jews aren't supposed to gamble, okay? Mm-hmm. But Hanukkah can involve gambling. You know, the rabbis go into fits, but you often see the old guys, you know, sitting around <laughs> playing cards or something. And that has led some scholars to suggest ancient contacts between Israel and India. Mm-hmm. Now, Diwali, or Deepawali, I guess, is a very ancient Hindu solstice feast that celebrates the triumph of light over darkness and good over evil. Uh, many of its customs parallel those of Hanukkah, right down to the use of oil and kindling more lights in successive days. And there is a tradition of gambling. Uh, do you have any information on, I should have asked you this before the show, on Diwali? Well, and the Christmas and the- aspect to uh, Hanukkah and, um, would have to be having to do with the Christmas tree. Uh, in every tradition, especially very much among the Kabbalah, is the Tree of Life. Mm. Uh, the Tree of Life started actually with the Babylonians, and uh, uh, it made its way to the Judeo-Christian uh, legends of Adam and Eve. Uh, the Celtic people also had their own Tree of Light, light or Tree of Life, both, and uh, which they lit it with candles. Uh, there was one thing that I read, and it's not been proven. Uh, is that when the Sephardic Jews uh, fled the Inquisition in Spain, they took this belief in the Tree of Life and spread it into the Germanic lands of Germany, uh, the Netherlands, and also England. And that might be the origins of the Christmas tree. Um, 
It's esoteric. The tree of life among the Kabbalists is the esoteric Judaism's describe the path to God and the manner in which He created the world. So there is kind of a loose connection uh, with the Christmas tree and um, you know the ancient Jews and as far, as far as you're talking about origins in India, it almost seems like everything kind of sprang out of India. Hmm. Um, so yeah, there's uh, there are definite connections, uh, and you know we speak an Indo-European language. Yeah. Um, English is, and and it, you know that went all the way down to Iran and Iraq, which would be the area of Babylonia. Um, they didn't speak Arabic uh, long ago. They were an Indo-European. Uh, they spoke uh, Persian. Uh, so um, so there is a loose connection between Christmas and that. I, you know, that, that was just something I've read recently, but it, it seems possible that, you know, I don't think the Christmas tree really cropped up anyway until the Middle Ages sometime. So that connection may really may be a real one. Well, it's all about preserving life, I guess, in the midst of yes. a time of year when it's not so easy to do that. When it gets so dark right, yeah, and the sun exactly. goes away. Yeah, you know, I, I used to ask, uh, I was, uh, when I was in the military, I had a uh, friend, uh, Captain Joe Tuaglu, and he was from the Northwest Territories of Canada. And he, he said, <laughs> I'd say, Joe, how do people deal with this? You know, I was only in the Arctic once or twice, but, you know, it's dark, six, you know, all, uh, six months. Oh, yeah. He said, how do you, he said, well, I don't know, we, we, we just, we just, we're used to it. We, we sleep when we're tired, we eat when we're hungry. Right. I don't know. I guess you could, that, that could work if you were born into it, but but certainly uh, the, the climate, as, as in all things natural, affect our attitudes and our our customs and our beliefs and everything else. But it, it seems that there's still that underlying human archetype, you know, that, that seems to, to come forth. You know, the, the idea of life and and uh, and and the, the turn of the year and, and the whole business. So uh, I guess uh, Ben, if you want to. Move on to Christmas. All right. So the most common expression of the season in the Western world is, of course, Christmas, which is certainly a winter solstice festival. Now, again, as we said, it's not to denigrate the birth of Christ in any way. Or, oh, no, you know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's when just, Christians, uh, you know, they take note of the birth of Christ. That's just, that's just the day uh, that's celebrated. Uh, you know, I mean, it's very unlikely we talked about that last week. Very, very unlikely Christ's birthday was then. They think it was probably in the spring. Sure, yeah. Well, that's it. Well, again, we're dealing with with an effort to see. Constantine is is often thought of as the, you know the first Christian emperor and this sort of thing. But you know he was a he was a politician. And, you know he as a matter of fact he was he was he wasn't baptized until his deathbed, and that was by an Arian priest who was considered a heretic at the time. Right. And what, what he um, wanted to do was unite the empire. And he, he really considered, gee, is, is, is the cult of the, of the Invincible Son better to unite the empire, or is this Christianity better to unite the empire? And he decided essentially on Christianity. And he presided, not the Pope, he presided over the first... Council of the Church in 325 AD. They, they did stuff like put together the Bible as we have it today. And they did and other the council things. Council of Nicaea. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, when they threw out the Gnostic text, right? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. That's but another anyway, argument, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they, but they, they did a lot of things that were important to the, the history of, of Christian development, and, and Constantine essentially uh, presided over them, and he did it with a whip. Not literally, but he's, you know, he, he made his his ideas known and that they kind of um, 
followed what he wanted. So Christianity dominated the empire after that, and uh, they adopted the pagan feast deliberately in order to make it easier for people to come over to Christianity. So uh, that's... Um, that seems to be what happened. And the Feast of the Invincible Sun was, of course, the, the solstice, around the solstice. And December 25th ended up the date when they pinned the birth of Christ on that. So, I mean, uh, that, that's pretty much general knowledge. So, now, uh, yeah, and you say, of course, it's probably in the spring. Yeah, it uh, probably in March there was a conjunction of uh, uh, Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn. Um, and uh, Mars was the planet of Palestine and uh Jupiter was the planet or the star of kings, and as we discussed last week, uh, the wise men were astrologers, and they interpreted that very bright star as to mean the king of Palestine was born. That's what I want to uh, get into after the break. Yeah, yeah, and uh, also too um, the the idea of Santa Claus and the and the wild man related to all these pagan gods, and mm-hmm. one of them was Pan. Uh, there's a connection between Santa Claus and Pan, and of course you know the Crusaders, um, having forgotten some of their pagan roots when they marched into Eastern Europe, going down into the Near East, they would see these statues of Pan with the, the horns and the, the, the hooves, uh, the goat-like figure, and they turned that into the devil. There is no description of the devil in the Bible. There are no descriptions of angels in the Bible. Uh, the the way that we see angels uh, with these beautiful androgynous figures with the blonde hair, the blonde curls, and the wings uh, that is that strictly came out of the Renaissance. Uh, there was no and there was no description of what an angel was supposed to look like. Just as like just as well, there was not um, any description of what the devil was supposed to look like. And so the Christians turned the god of mischief and sexuality and wine and merrymaking uh, Pan into the devil. But there is also a connection with Santa Claus in Pan as well. So that's pretty interesting, and and it okay. goes up into the more northern northern parts of yeah. Europe. I, actually, um, I'm sorry to interrupt again, but we have to wrap for the break, but we'll be okay. right back on Behind the Paranormal and our guest host, Susan Shepard. Stay with us. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. Mm-hmm. New Horizons. No boundaries. All day long, we're devoted to your emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. With your direct connect to the stars, Lisa J. Smith, The Dr. Pat Show, Liz Souza, Barbara Mackey, Glynis McCants, The Wake Up Call, with L. Newman and Tom Force. Let us know how we're doing. 248-545-7685. Log on. NewSkyRadio.com. 24 hours a day. Your spiritual well-being is our concern. Awaken the extraordinary. Live the life you've imagined. Look up to the sky. CBS Radio's The New Sky. NewSkyRadio.com. New horizons. No boundaries.
CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. NewSkyRadio.com. Believe. Okay, we're back behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our guest host this evening, Susan Shepard. And we're talking about the winter holidays. And I guess it's time to move on to, to Christmas. And, uh, of course, the birth of Jesus is mentioned in only two of the four Gospels, Matthew and Luke, and the popular story, as we have it, comes mostly from Luke. Uh, you've got angels and shepherds, beautiful singing that comes from the sky, and what sure seems like a UFO leading three astronomers to a little manger, uh, and there's nothing about a stable, and the Greek word used for manger could also mean crib, so who knows. But anyway, Susan, what is the astrological story of Christmas? The astrological story of Christmas would have taken place, as I said, in in, in the spring, uh, when uh, um, the astrologers, uh, the the wise men, the magi, saw a very bright light in the sky. It was a conjunction of uh, Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn, and they knew from the lineup of those planets, um, Jupiter ruled kings, Mars uh, ruled Palestine, and they thought that the king of Palestine had been born. Um, they don't know for certain. Uh, what Christ's birth actually was when it occurred, but they they think that that's probably the most likely time that it did. Uh, so, but it's okay. I mean, people can uh, celebrate uh, December twenty fifth uh, as the birthday of Jesus. It's the birthday of many many gods. Uh, one is Horus in Egypt, and the other is Krishna. Um, the one among the Zoroaster, oh, I can't pronounce the word, but the Ahura Mazda. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of them that uh, say that they were born of a virgin on December 25th. So that kind of fit in with the belief system of the pagan populations uh, when uh, Christianity took hold. Well, you talk about influence, and I don't get, I don't want to get off topic, but Zoroastrian has... Zoro- Zoroastrian Thank you. Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you, Zoroastrian. Not Rastafarian. No, 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 not that's, that's, that's down in... Yeah. That's down on the islands there. Exactly. Well, anyway, uh, they had a tremendous influence on early Christianity, and the whole idea, some basic things, too. The Christian notion of salvation is not the salvation of the soul. That's a Zoroastrian idea. The idea right. of the Christian originally was the salvation of the whole person, body and soul. Maybe, maybe I was influenced by that theologically, because I'm always big on you can't have a spirit that's a whole person. It's got to be body involved in there somewhere, you know. Right. But that, that's another. That's an issue for another day. You and I have talked about that. Right. But uh, anyway, uh, but but these influences are real, and a lot of people think that these these people didn't have any contact with each other. Well, there's all kinds of evidence. Ben and I recently remember we went over to um, 
uh, nearby Massachusetts here, and there's a Dighton Rock, which is a very well-known area where there's an inscribed stone that people believe was a Portuguese explorer explorer, and then other people who came before Columbus here on the East Coast. And it's like um, there was all kinds of kind. There seems to have been trade. There's evidence from the native stories here in New England that uh, there there was trade with the Phoenicians and the Romans or people who would have, from, from what they describe, would be would have to be th- those groups. There's so, Ogham, uh, written so, on an ancient Irish language written on caves here in West Virginia. Ogham. There you go. It's <laughs> a very yeah. ancient Irish language. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's all over the place, the evidence, that there was world trade, uh, not only in goods, but in cultural aspects as well, such as we've been talking about tonight. So anyway, so, okay, we've got three guys from somewhere following... A star or stars? I mean, uh, did you mention at one point three stars? It's a lineup. The yeah. lineup of the conjunction made uh, the the star brighter. It was a perfect conjunction of planets. Okay. So. Oh, planets. And Jupiter usually Jupiter looks very bright. Jupiter and Venus uh, are the easiest ones to see. We can see Mars too, and and uh, um, Saturn is not quite as visible to the naked eye, but you can see it as well. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so I don't know. There's been suggestion that there might have been a supernova at the time, although nobody can really pinpoint. Yeah, could be. But how do you follow a star? How do you follow a star? Yeah, I mean, not to sound Disney-like here, but I mean, how do you? It says they essentially follow, and it says it in Greek too. They essentially followed this star. I mean, how do, how do you? I mean, did it was it moving? I mean, we're talking a UFO here or what? I mean, what well, you, you know, the, and of course that's the that's the the story. Whether this, that story is exactly true, we don't well, know. Sure. But that's, those are scientists looking back upon those times trying to explain this. Uh, they may have gotten the story from another culture and plugged it into the, to, uh, the story of Christ. Um, we know that they did that with a lot of things. Um, a lot of the Christ story, um, they can trace back to Egypt. And Egypt also plays a part in the biblical story as well. Um, so... But yeah. following a star, you know, I, I assume they would go in that direction. Okay. Now, um, you know, the question is, where did the wise men come from? Did they come from India? Did they come from Babylon? Did they come from Africa? Did they come from Europe? That's not really known. Well, as we said, uh, I guess we were talking privately, it seems that when, if, if this is anywhere near as accurate as far as it's being reported, as far as what happened, they probably would have arrived uh, when... Uh, Jesus was three or f- three, maybe even four years old. Right. So again, you know, who knows? These things get boiled down. Now, on the issue of, uh, let's get into Santa Claus a little bit. We've been we've been uh, talking a little bit here. Uh-huh, and there. My favorite. <laughs> yes, and uh, we, of course, our children were brought up with the idea of Saint Nicholas, uh, who uh, was a person. And regardless of what his origins might have been, you know, this fourth century bishop to have a reputation of such love come down over so many centuries he must have been one heck of a guy that's right you know and he also he also fit the christmas story fairly well too having yeah. the birthday yeah. you know close to that that time period well too uh, he also, also he also guarded uh, uh, lorded over sailors in the sea and the oceans as well that's true and uh, there he was arrives when saint nicholas arrives in holland he arrives not in a sleigh but on a boat is how he arrives I didn't realize that. 
Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, one of the things about him, there is a, there is a, a tradition about how the, uh, and you can just see the, the, how the, the Christmas stocking tradition got started. Uh, supposedly, he was uh, one of his people was uh, had three daughters, and he was very poor, mm-hmm. and he uh, was afraid he would have to literally sell one of his daughters or more into prostitution. Right. And St. Nicholas, of course, didn't want that to happen, so he literally, according to the story, went up on the roof and dropped gold pieces down the chimney. Aha, they well, happen- Santa Claus on the roof. Exactly, and they happened to land in some stockings that were hung up to dry by the fire. Now, I don't know quite how that would have happened, but, uh, I mean, you can just see the origins of the whole business of the stockings. Right, you know, and, and there's there's others as well, and it's really hard hard to tell. You know, with the chimney, uh, they have Black Peter and they have Der Belsnickel, uh, Smutsley, and and uh, I believe that's Austria, Switzerland, Smutsley, uh, and he has coal dust or he has soot on his face. Like he's also, he's an element of the dark Santa. So oh. the, in Europe, they have Saint Nicholas, and then he always has his dark helper, which is Black Peter, uh, Der Belsnickel. Um, um, gosh, what are some of the other names? But uh, Santa always has, oh, Smutsley is the other name, which means dirty, really. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the Santa Claus, it's the more earthy kind of Santa Claus. And that was actually brought into this country with among the Pennsylvania Dutch. There are still, there are still elements of that uh, in Pennsylvania, of the more of the pagan Santa or the wild man Santa. In England, of course, he's associated with the fairies. And Santa Claus also has an association with Robin Goodfellow or the Green Man. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's a, he's a nature god as well. Mm-hmm. And well, in Switzerland, they have a really cool one called Krampus, which just basically looks like a devil. He's a scary-looking thing. He's got the horns. He's got the glowing eyes. He's got the fur robes. He's got his whip and right, right alongside St. Nicholas, and they don't see any contradiction in that. Okay. You're not going to see that in America, though. No. Well, we have to uh, take another break here, and we'll okay. be back on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our guest host, Susan Shepard, to talk about holiday traditions and especially Santa Claus. We'll be right back. Join Kimmy Rose on Interviews, Thursday nights from 9 to 11 p.m. Together as a community, we will embrace the challenges in life and find a way to experience heaven on earth. Spiritual teachers and Kimmy will bring you insight on how to change your life and embrace purpose. Interviews, this Thursday night starting at 9. It's all about what's within you. You have to know or find a girl, settle down if you want. You can marry. Look at me, I am old but unhappy. I was once like you are now, and I know that it's not easy to be calm when you found something going on. Take your time, think a lot Why think of everything you've got 
remember you will still be here tomorrow Like your dreams may not How can I try to explain When I do, he turns away again It's always been the same Same old story From the moment I could talk I was ordered to listen Now there's a way And I know that I have to go away I know I have to go Change, just sit down, take it slowly. You're still young, that's your fault. There's so much you have to go through. Find a girl, settle down. If you want, you can marry. Look at me, I am old, but I'm happy. All the times that I've cried. Keeping all the things I knew inside It's hard, but it's harder to ignore it If they were right, I'd agree But it's them, they know, not me Now there's a way, and I know That I have to go away I know, I have to go Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. And welcome back. And we're visiting tonight with Susan Shepard, our guest host. And we're talking about the winter holidays. And uh, we're going to... I guess Ben had a question before we continue. All right. So... You're saying that Santa had this, um, like in most cultures, that he had this, like, dark Santa as, like, or whatever the name was in other different cultures, as, like, a helper or something. All right, is that, is that supposed to say that Santa's, like, evil or something, or, like... Or he's not... Well, you know, it, yeah, it's it's not the devil or anything like that. It's, it's uh, and then it, that he carries the switches, you know, to punish the little children but there was one i was uh looking at a, a video i was looking at where a uh, santa claus said oh no no uh santa and their bell said oh no this is just to wipe the snow off each other's shoulders you know to not scare the little children but the dark santa is is i think more of the nature elements of the original santa claus and i don't really think the original santa claus was saint nicholas I think St. Nicholas sort of took over that role once again, yeah. something Christian taking over a pagan idea. Yeah, well, well probably. Okay, so like what what you're saying is that there's like the it's like the da- like the uh the uh what's it called? The uh yin and the yang. Yeah, the yin and the yang like there's the good yeah, aspect. Yeah, and usually in, in the parades or the the activities on Christmas he runs and he chases the children, he scares them a little bit, but not you know not too awfully much, but that's the yeah it's the dark and light of Santa Claus, right? Exactly. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Well, that's something that's often missing in, in Western spirituality is the notion that 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 the the what do you want to say the goddess or whatever you know has 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 a dark side as well as a loving side. Right. Okay, but it all yeah. kind of you know all kind of it's all complementary and you need both. Right. 
that sort of thing. So yeah, but, I you know, that, and the interesting connection with Santa Claus and the fairies as well uh, in England. Um, Pan, Puck, the Green Man, and Robin Goodfellow. Robin Goodfellow, as we were talking about earlier, um, you know, he is celebrated uh, on the solstice. He's also celebrated during Beltane and the summer solstice. But uh, any word with Robin in it uh, means that he is a fairy. That's what Robin means. So like Robin uh, Hood? Exactly. And there's a connection to Robin Hood as well. Exactly. Uh, so if you look at some of these uh, things that go on, and the pagan people are sort of re- reviving these ideas, but um, if you look at the um, May Day celebrations in England, uh, they will have Robin Goodfellow, and he, he will look almost like a Christmas tree, so covered with foliage, and then he'll have another figure, which is the green man, who just looks more or less like a Santa Claus all dressed up in green mm-hmm. rather than the red. Uh, well, I was anything, telling, green, anything green is also associated with the fairies. Mm-hmm. I was telling Susan during the break when I was in England in 1989, uh, writing a story about the uh, Beast of Exmoor. It's another story. Right. Uh, it was market day in one of these little rural towns. And they were actually, you know, the kids were, were parading. Uh, I, forget, I wish I could remember what feast it was. But they were, they were dressed in leaves. I said, wow, what a privilege. I feel like I'm back. <laughs> it's beautiful, you know, really. It, it's yeah. beautiful. And it's a good thing that these things are being revived and remembered. Yeah, they, it would be pretty boring without some of these old pagan ideas. It really would. Well, yeah, well, they, they, these are beliefs and, and, and religious expressions that spring right from the earth under our feet, where our ancestors right. had their roots, and that, that's important. So yeah, in any case... That's um, a good joke, roots under the earth, get it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, thank you. But in any case... Uh, but, uh, so, so what other aspects of Santa are we... Ta- well, you know, talking about culture, what does he become? In a sense, you know, it's sort of the, the, the god of consumerism today. I mean, I can see... An well, if you go back to Pan, he's the god of merrymaking, wine, song, gifts. Uh, and that's that's also true of Christmas, and that is merrymaking up to a certain point, and then the winter comes. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, eat all you want, drink all you want. Uh, it's kind of a... Uh, it's even, even in ancient times or older times, it would be... Uh, um, uh, a day of revelry and, and excess. So I guess in that way, it wouldn't be too different. But the modern Santa Claus, of course, uh, was uh, Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Coca-Cola. Uh, and two cans right in front of us right here on that. <laughs> Thomas Nass. And, you know, it's interesting. Some of those original uh, artists who did images of Santa Claus were almost all of German descent, too. That's true. Um, yeah, and late then the one century. that did um, the latest Santa Claus, I believe, was of Swedish descent. And the one that did a lot of the Coca-Colas with Santa Claus also did the covers for Playboy. There you go. <laughs> After right. the 1950s. <laughs> well, Norman Rockwell but, uh, did a few Santa things, I think. But, you know, he, re- but you, he still has his fur. Yeah. He still has his fur that, that reminds us he has a connection to nature. He still has his rain, reindeer, you know, connection to the horn god. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Serenus, are, uh, he, when he's shown in these pictures, he has reindeer horns and reindeer right beside of him. That's true. Well, Susan, I'm afraid we're out of time. Uh, oh, just great. take a second. That's <laughs> uh, our usual problem. Uh, tell folks where they can find out more about you and your books, etc. Well, you can catch me right now on HondaParkersburg.com or Susan A. Shepard on Facebook, and Shepard is spelled S-H-E-P-P-A-R-D. Very good. Okay, Susan, it's always a wonderful pleasure to have you with us, uh, and we will talk to you very soon. Thanks for your insights. Thank you.
Thank you so much, and Merry Christmas. And, and happy to you. Yule. <laughs> Absolutely. Happy Solstice. Okay. So, uh, many thanks to our producer, Will Kosnick, and our co-host, Susan Shepard. And we won't see you live here on CBS News Sky until January 9th, when we would welcome back Maverick Paranormal Scholar Michael Cremo for a look at things that mainstream archaeologists don't seem to want you to know. All right. So, the December 26th and 22nd shows will be rebroadcast at the usual time, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, right here on CBS Radio and www.newskyradio.com. Watch our website, BehindTheParanormal.com, for when and where to listen. And check out our Monday Drive Time show at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 Pacific, which means 6 Pacific. No, wait, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 Pacific on... Wait, no, that's wrong. <laughs> what? That's, that's wrong. 11 a.m.? No, no, our Monday Drive Time show is at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Yeah, 4 Pacific. uh, WON 12.40 a.m. in southeastern New England and www.onworldwide.com. Who writes these bloody scripts? All right. So Hanukkah is over, but a very happy solstice. Merry Christmas. And merry or happy whatever you follow in any of the 33 other seasonal feasts observed at this time of year. Well, you know, I just wanted to um, to, to, to mention that, you know, people think that, that... culture is dying and that we don't have any roots anymore. Well, you know, you look around and you, you can these things don't die. These archetypes and all these these wonderful old connections you still see them, even in a modern rush based and machine based society such as ours. And even if it's uh, manifested in you know, all the things we don't maybe like about Christmas like having, you know, all the pressure to spend money and all this, you know, you can always find something good if you look deep deeply enough into these things. So anyway, we leave you with a very common but very special Hebrew prayer. Blessed are you, Lord our God, Master of the universe, who has kept us alive and sustained us and brought us to this special time. See you next time.